Welcome to the Election Ride Home for Wednesday, February 26th, 2020. I'm your host, Jackson Bird, with a summary of election news. Today, a recap on the messiest Democratic debate yet. Bloomberg's onstage blunders, some fact-checking of all that crosstalk, and a brief check-in on polls. It's three days until the South Carolina primary, six until Super Tuesday, and 251 days until the general election. And here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. With this senator, enough is never enough. You didn't write that bill. I, did I wrote write, that bill. I wrote the bill. <laughs> Vladimir Putin thinks that Donald Trump is, should be president of the United States, and that's why Russia is helping you get oh, elected so Mr. you'll Bloomberg. lose to him. And you know I'm right. You wrote the crime bill. Where we that come from, called that's called Tommy Conway. At least I didn't have a boss who said to me, kill it. The way that I Mayor Bloomberg never said that. have said okay. to one of oh, his on. pregnant employees. I know, I'm not out of time. You spoke over time and I'm going to talk. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I think we're talking we'll about that. Let's talk let about me, it. Can I say something? Look, first of all, let me go. What a night. After last week's Nevada debate that folks largely agreed was on fire in a good way, last night's Democratic debate in South Carolina was just a hot mess. Candidates talked over each other nonstop, threw out accusations left and right, and hardly ever stuck to their time limits. A lot of people online are saying CBS News did a poor job of moderation, but honestly, I think we might just be getting to that tipping point in the election where everyone is out for blood. First up, let's talk about how they all fared in speaking time. Senator Sanders spoke the most at a total of 15 minutes and 28 seconds. Mayor Bloomberg came next at 13 minutes, 33 seconds, followed closely by Klobuchar, Warren, Biden, Buttigieg, and then at a full four and a half minutes less than Buttigieg was Steyer bringing up the rear at just over seven minutes. Though with all the crosstalk and arguably poor moderation, it sure felt like some of the candidates spoke for much longer than that. As New York Times TV critic James Ponowazic put it on Twitter, We are 110 minutes into the debate, and according to our calculations, each candidate has spoken for 110 minutes. End quote. It definitely felt like that at times. Most of the candidates were piling on Senator Sanders, as expected, since he's the current frontrunner. He quipped at one point, I'm hearing my name mentioned a little bit tonight. I wonder why. He was confronted again on his comments about Fidel Castro's regime, saying that he has opposed authoritarianism all over the world, and that his comments on Cuba's literacy program were similar to remarks once made by President Obama. Sanders also got a chance to discuss his stance on Israel. He said, quote, I'm very proud of being Jewish. I actually lived in Israel for some months. But what I happen to believe is that right now, sadly, tragically, in Israel, through Bibi Netanyahu, you have a reactionary racist who is running that country. He continued, I happen to believe that what our foreign policy in the Middle East should be about is absolutely protecting the independence and security of Israel, but you cannot ignore the suffering of the Palestinian people. We have got to have a policy that reaches out to the Palestinians and the Israelis, and in answer to your question, that will come within the context of bringing nations together in the Middle East. End quote. Sanders was also confronted by Buttigieg on his, quote, incredible shrinking price tag for Medicare for all, his record on gun legislation by Biden, and the Russian interference in his campaign by Bloomberg. 
Senator Warren, who usually refrains from piling on when others are attacking Senator Sanders, did get in one slight jab last night. After reiterating that, in her view, progressive policies are not alienating, but rather popular, she said, quote, Bernie and I agree on a lot of things, but I think I would make a better president than Bernie. And the reason for that is that getting a progressive agenda enacted is going to be really hard, and it's going to take someone who digs into the details to make it happen. Bernie and I both wanted to help rein in Wall Street. In 2008, we both got our chance, but I dug in. I fought the big banks, I built the coalitions, and I won. We need a president who is going to dig in, do the hard work, and actually get it done. Founder of The Blacklist Franklin Leonard said on Twitter, Maybe, just maybe, Elizabeth Warren hasn't gone that hard at Bernie because she agrees with him in the main and is her choice if it can't be her. Also, vice versa. End quote. Senator Amy Klobuchar, while coming in third in speaking time and sparring a couple of times with Biden, largely remained out of the main action last night. A shining moment for her came during the discussion of the coronavirus, in which she said that instead of sharing her website, she wanted to share the CDC's website, and she urged Americans watching to stay informed and take precautions. Senator Biden did his best to hold on to his top contender status in South Carolina. In addition to going after Sanders, he chose a new opponent in Tom Steyer, bringing up Steyer's past ownership of a private prison company, which Steyer defended by saying he sold his stock in the prison company after investigating its maltreatment of the people in its prisons. This was a well-calculated move on Biden's part, since, at least before the debate, Steyer was polling in third in South Carolina, making him the vice president's biggest immediate competition after Senator Sanders. Former South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg got a number of barbs in against Senator Sanders and had a few moments to discuss his larger policy plans during discussions of race and housing. One of his strongest moments was when he addressed the sad irony of seven white people standing on a stage discussing racial justice. Which did happen a fair bit throughout the evening as the candidates were all well aware of the constituents they're trying to reach in South Carolina. She the People founder Amy Allison said on Twitter, Hi, women of color are 42% of the electorate in South Carolina, mostly black women. Who on stage is speaking to us right now? It's as if we aren't the deciding factor in this race, but we are, so remember this. If you don't appeal to black women, you are done tonight. End quote. At the end of the debate, each candidate was asked what misconception people commonly make about them, as well as their personal motto. The responses were all just about what you would expect, but Rolling Stone writer Jamil Smith summed it up pretty well on Twitter, quote, I'm done after those last questions. What are these people running for, student council? Mayor Bloomberg had a number of blunders in last night's debate. After being accused by Senator Warren of funding a number of Republican re-election campaigns, including the failed 2012 senatorial campaign of Scott Brown against Warren herself, he pointed out all the Democrats he's funded, but almost accidentally said that he bought them instead. The, all of the new Democrats that came in and put Nancy Pelosi in charge and gave the Congress the ability to control this president, I, bought, I, I got them. He also referred to his fellow candidates as contestants and tried to make a joke about being surprised they all showed up since he, quote, would have thought after I did such a good job beating them last week that they'd be a little bit afraid to do that. I'm not sure which debate Bloomberg was at last week since most outlets agreed that he really blew his first shot on the stage in Nevada, but he did seem to have the audience on his side last night in South Carolina. 
Aaron Blake of the Washington Post wrote, The booing and cheering were out of control. There's a reason many debates prohibit outward shows of support or dissent, because it encourages people to stock the room and play to the cameras. We don't yet know whether that's what happened Tuesday, but Bloomberg's supporters were especially vocal, and Sanders found himself booed a surprising amount given he's competing for a win in South Carolina. End quote. Adding to this, a number of people, including Senator Sanders in post-debate comments, pointed to the fact that tickets to attend the debate last night started at $1,750. Charleston local news station Live 5 News reported earlier this month that tickets to the debate weren't readily available. Quote, the Charleston County Democratic Party website says the only guaranteed way to get a ticket is to become a sponsor of the debate. Sponsorship ranges from $1,750 to $3,200, each for attendance to multiple First in the South events. Charleston County Democratic Party Chair Colleen Condon, however, said to Live 5 News, quote, The ticket system is not unique to the Charleston debate. It's completely usual. This is exactly what's happening in New Hampshire for their debate, Nevada's debate, and Iowa's debate, and so on. End quote. So maybe the audience was disproportionately wealthy and maybe not. Perhaps they were more vocal than usual because the debate was more fervid than usual. Or they weren't discouraged as strongly from, as Aaron Blake described it, outward shows of support or dissent. Considering how heated the debate got last night with lots of accusations being thrown around, I thought it might be good to take a moment and do some fact-checking. There was far too much to cover everything, but here are a few selections. As I mentioned earlier, Senator Warren didn't pile onto Sanders too much like some of the other candidates, instead devoting a lot of her time to critiquing Mayor Bloomberg. During a question about allowing Chinese firms to build critical American infrastructure, she brought up the matter of trust and Bloomberg's business dealings with China and how he's the only one of the candidates who has not released his tax records. Bloomberg responded by saying that he's actively working on it and that he released his tax returns 12 years in a row as mayor. But according to the Wall Street Journal, he never released his full tax records, quote, instead inviting the media each year to review for a few hours only his highly redacted filings. Reporters are prohibited from photocopying, scanning, photographing, videotaping, or otherwise mechanically duplicating any of the information provided. Bloomberg also replied to the matter of taxes by saying that it takes a while to do so, which gave fellow billionaire Tom Steyer a chance to fire back by pointing out that he has released 10 years' worth of his tax returns and it was very easy to do so. The big Warren versus Bloomberg moment, however, came earlier in the night when Senator Warren recounted her personal experience of pregnancy discrimination when she was 21. She then said, quote, At least I didn't have a boss who said to me, kill it, the way that Mayor Bloomberg alleged to have said to one of his pregnant employees, end quote. Bloomberg immediately responded by saying that he didn't say that, but acknowledged that the accusation of it was true. This is corroborated by court documents and reporting by the Washington Post earlier this month. Quoting the Washington Post, the most high-profile case was from a former saleswoman. She sued Bloomberg personally, as well as his company, alleging workplace discrimination. She alleged Bloomberg told her to kill it when he learned she was pregnant. Bloomberg has denied her allegation under oath, and he reached a confidential settlement with the saleswoman. 
The Washington Post interviewed a former Bloomberg employee, David Zeilenziger, who said he witnessed the conversation with the saleswoman. Zeilenziger, who said he had not previously spoken publicly about the matter, said Bloomberg's behavior toward the woman was, quote, outrageous. I understood why she took offense, end quote. Quoting now from the court documents, Bloomberg asked plaintiff, how's married life? You married? Plaintiff responded that her marriage was great and was going to get better in a few months that she was pregnant and the baby was due the following September. He responded to her, kill it. Plaintiff asked Bloomberg to repeat himself and he again said, kill it, and muttered, great, number 16, suggesting to plaintiff his unhappiness that 16 women in the company had maternity-related status. End quote. At the debate last night, Mayor Bloomberg said, I never said it, period, end of story. I never said it. When I was accused of doing it, we couldn't figure out what she was talking about. But right now, I'm sorry if she heard what she heard or whatever happened. I didn't take any pleasure in that, and we've just got to go on. Bloomberg also later seemed to claim that he started Moms Demand Action, saying, quote, I have a six million person organization around this country, Moms Demand Action and Everytown, end quote. The founder of Moms Demand Action, Shannon Watts, tweeted pretty quickly after that, Hi, I started Moms Demand Action, and hundreds of thousands of volunteers like me make it successful every single day. And I'm grateful that every candidate on stage has our gun sense candidate distinction. She went on to clarify Bloomberg's influential role in the organization, tweeting, quote, Moms Demand Action was started at my kitchen table in Indiana in 2012, the day after the Sandy Hook tragedy. One year later, I chose to partner with Mayors Against Illegal Guns. Moms Demand Action is now the grassroots arm of Everytown for Gun Safety. I started the organization because men are the majority of lawmakers and business leaders. I'm grateful to Mike Bloomberg for his support, along with our 375,000 other donors. And I'm grateful to the women who do the majority of the heavy lifting for Moms Demand Action every single day. End quote. For the record, Mayor Bloomberg started Mayors Against Illegal Guns along with a coalition of other mayors in 2006. Mayors Against Illegal Guns merged with Moms Demand Action in 2013, and in 2014, Every Town for Gun Safety was launched with the two organizations included under its larger umbrella. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. That was a very Bloomberg-heavy fact-check session, but Bloomberg took a lot of heat because he's newer to the election, so his dirty laundry hasn't been aired over and over again in previous debates like some of the other candidates. But hey, it wasn't all Bloomberg gaffes. At one point, Vice President Joe Biden said, quote, 
150 million people have been killed since 2007 when Bernie voted to exempt the gun manufacturers from liability, more than all the wars, including Vietnam, from that point on. Carnage on our streets, end quote. Now, first of all, he simply misspoke. It's 150,000, not 150 million people who have been killed by gun violence since 2007. As Politico points out, quote, there's no way that many people in a nation of 330 million people have been killed in that time frame. Gun deaths since 2007 have averaged about 33,000 yearly, including suicides, end quote. And the bill in question, the Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act, is one that Sanders did support in 2005, but which he would go on to co-sponsor an effort to repeal in 2016, and during the debate last night, he acknowledged that his original support of the bill was a, quote, bad vote. Sanders had a few exaggerations about billionaires last night. He said that, quote, billionaires in this country saw an $850 billion increase in their wealth in the last three years. According to Forbes magazine, however, the combined net worth of U.S. billionaires actually increased by just $710 billion. Though this error isn't all on Sanders, the Institute for Public Policy Studies says they were responsible for the inaccurate figure, which they have now updated. Factcheck.org also points out, quote, Sanders didn't mention that the number of U.S. billionaires also increased during that period, from 542 in 2016 to 607 in 2019, according to Forbes. So while total billionaire wealth went up 29.6% during that time, the wealth of the average billionaire rose by about half as much, 15.7%, end quote. For what it's worth, I also want to shed a little bit of light on billionaire contributions to Buttigieg and Biden's campaigns because Sanders and Buttigieg were fully talking over each other for quite a while, so it's likely that even if you watched last night, you have no idea what they said. Sanders said, quote, Pete has gotten funding from over 50 billionaires, and Joe, I think, has gotten a little bit more. Now, he's not wrong. According to reporting from Forbes, Buttigieg has received funding from 56 billionaires and Biden from 60 billionaires. All of the candidates have received at least a little bit of funding from billionaires except for Senator Sanders, who actually returned a donation from Marta Toma Hall, the spouse of billionaire and self-driving car pioneer David Hall. Buttigieg responded to Sanders' accusations, saying, quote, In Charleston alone, over 2,000 people have contributed to my campaign. That means that the dollars that have come to my campaign just from Charleston is more than the dollars that have come from the 50 people that you mentioned, end quote. And that number from Charleston donors, according to a Buttigieg spokesperson, is $277,000. Factcheck.org points out, quote, We don't know the total amount of money donated to each candidate by those individual billionaires, but even if each person donated the $5,600 maximum an individual can contribute to a candidate's campaign, $2,800 each for the primary and general election, that would mean that billionaires and their spouses contributed no more than 0.4% and 0.5% of the amounts that Forbes reported Buttigieg and Biden raised at the end of December, respectively. End quote. But of course, none of this is taking into account PACs and super PACs, and Buttigieg's main alarm was that he thought Sanders was implying most of his contributions are from billionaires, and Sanders said he didn't say that, so it was really just another instance of two candidates trying to make different points at the same time, loudly, and on top of each other. But there's just a bit more clarity for you. (music) 
CBS News conducted a poll of debate viewers that said almost half felt nervous about the election after watching the debate, though 42% were optimistic. According to respondents, 26% of them thought Bernie Sanders made the best case for beating President Trump, followed by Biden at 21% and Warren at 12 We'll get back to non-debate news tomorrow. A Progress Texas slash public policy polling poll just released shows Senator Bernie Sanders and Vice President Joe Biden tied at 24% each with likely voters in Texas. Bloomberg comes next at 17%, and Warren is in fourth with 14%. It will certainly be interesting to see what happens when Bloomberg is finally on the ballot come Super Tuesday. Despite all the fact checks and gaffes I listed out today, he still has a very strong campaign going for him. Debates are not at all his strong suit, but with the amount of money that he has to spend on his campaign, they don't need to be. But are town halls his thing? We'll find out tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern on CNN when Bloomberg participates in his first televised town hall since entering the race. He'll be followed tonight by Biden, Klobuchar, and then Warren, each with a one-hour individual town hall in Charleston, South Carolina. And that is the election roundup for the day. Very debate-heavy today. Like I said, we'll get back on track and more generally looking at the election tomorrow. You can find Election Ride Home on Twitter at Election Podcast or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Election Ride Home. Thank you all for listening and have a great rest of your day.